Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn back to Mark chapter 3. And I'm convicted that when we preach verse by verse and chapter by chapter, we preach things that we normally wouldn't preach. And tonight's topic is blaspheming the Holy Ghost. As many Pentecostal preachers have brought their congregation into much torment through making up this doctrine of blaspheming the Holy Ghost and that it's anything that you say against what they're doing. And that's not exactly what that is, or is. And I'll explain to you, there's a difference in blaspheming the Holy Ghost and blaspheming Jesus. You blaspheme Jesus, you can be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, then you're past it. And so we're going to be preaching on that, but the main theme of verses 22 through 30 is that when you get ordained or if you uh, surrender to serve God, the devil doesn't like it. Amen. Let's just put it down on terms that we can understand at 2134 Doug Gap Road. If you try to serve God, you have an opposition and you will have a lot of trials and tribulations to try to stop you from being the servant or disciple or apostle, the called out one that God has called you to be. As you notice this morning in verse 20, it said the multitude cometh again and they couldn't even uh, have time to eat. But then it says his friends heard of it. And in Luke, it says his family heard of it and they came down to try to rescue him because he was overdoing it. In other words, they thought he was beside himself, that he was crazy. I'll never forget uh, when I uh, first announced to my parents that I was... Uh, going to start a church, uh, my father looked at me and my mother looked at me and said, did not we help you get through school uh, to be a businessman and make a lot of money? I said, yes, you did. We appreciate it, all the help you gave me. Um, and they couldn't understand it. They thought I was beside myself for a while. And then I convinced them it is the will of God. We had dinner on the grounds. There was no buildings here, just a, just a bunch of trees in that gully right back there. And we set up these big old round things that they put uh, electrical wire on, I mean big ones. And we used them as tables. We had dinner on the ground. And I'll never forget my daddy was there and he looked at me and he said, Are you sure about all this? Because we didn't have many people and we didn't have no money and we didn't have much going for us, but we had the Lord. And so listen, when the world doesn't understand or even your own family don't understand, you must serve God rather than man. But the devil will try to do, do anything to discourage you from being his servant. I said all that to say this, and I'll preach about 15 minutes on what's the difference, what, why, why we as Christians uh, need to know about this sin of blaspheming the Holy Ghost. Let's stay in awe of the Word of God. We see the scribes came down from Jerusalem. They made a big trip and said, he has Beelzebub, that's the devil. And, by the, and he would, they were saying that about Jesus. And by the prince of the devils, casteth out he devils. Now I want you to see his reaction. There was no guile found in his mouth. He didn't get mad. I'll tell you what I'd have done. I guarantee you, I'd have, I'd have cleaned house when somebody called me the devil. I would have really got upset. But see, I'm not sanctified yet. But Jesus is. He said this, and he called them unto him. Said, Come here, boys. I want to have a little talk with you. And he didn't get mad. He just... Uh, said to them in a parable, How can Satan cast out Satan? 
I want to tell you, one of the greatest methods of teaching is asking questions. Jesus did it. And in, in, if a kingdom be divided against itself, he said calmly, I believe he was calm, that kingdom cannot stand. But if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but hath an end. No man can enter into the strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men and blasphemies wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. There's certain blasphemes that are forgivable. But listen to this, here's the unforgivable one. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost Hath, hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation, in danger of eternal damnation, because they said he hath an unclean spirit. You may be seated as I pray, and I want to warn you ahead of time, the devil doesn't want me to preach this message, but I'm going to preach it anyway. Father, thank you for your spirit. And God, greater is he that is in me than is he in the world, and the devil's tried to harm and hinder this all day. But God, give us strength and give us knowledge, give us wisdom to rightly divide the Word of God. And God, I thank you that um, there's a battle, there's a warfare when we try to serve the Lord. But Lord, we know who won. We know who's going to win. And Lord, we pray, dear God, we would not let the devil deceive us and devour our testimony and cause us to be castaways. And Lord, we pray, dear God, that there would be none that we know that would commit this sin of blaspheme in the Holy Ghost. God, teach us the Word of God tonight. Help us to understand this. We thank you for every, every line upon line, every scripture of the Word of God, and we love, Lord, just studying it. So, Lord, help us to rightly divide it. In Jesus' precious name, help us to realize it's worth serving you. In Jesus' name again, we plead the blood, bind Satan, and ask you to give us liberty to preach. Amen. Here's another slanderous attack upon Christ. And in verse 21, it says that his friends, in Luke it says his family, so it was his friendly family that misunderstood him. But they misunderstood him out of ignorance and maybe somewhat prejudice. But the misunderstanding of the scribes was malice, it was wicked, and it was demon-inspired. These scribes had come all the way down from Jerusalem on purpose to watch Christ and pick a quarrel with him. And folks, the occasion soon, soon presented itself according to Matthew's account, Matthew 12, verse 22, it was brought to Jesus on, on that day a blind and dumb lunatic. I mean, he was crazy. He was like the Gadarean maniac streaking through a country graveyard not have a lick of sense. You start taking your clothes off in public, you ain't got a lick of sense, amen? Uh, I won't go there. But and Jesus healed him, so the dumb man spake, and he saw, and thank God, I believe he got saved, and there was a striking miracle threefold. And it's possible that this is the son of David, they were saying. And they were, they were doubting even their own religiosity and their own lostness. And so the scribes... Uh, uh, decided to just go ahead and accuse him of something terrible. They said, you're Beelzebub, you're of the devil. 
You're possessed by the devil. Look at verse 22. It says, And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub. They're saying that Jesus is possessed by the devil and that the devil was performing miracles and that the devil was casting the devil out. Now I want you to know, folks, sin don't make a bit of sense and neither does that. Say amen. I'm going to tell you something. That's about the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life that the devil would cast the devil out. Well, I mean, a house divided against itself won't stand is what Jesus is saying. He knew it was very dumb, but he wasn't going to tell them that. He was going to try to teach them something. So he gave this parable about a house. But I want you to see the particulars of this charge, and we'll get to the sin of blaspheme in the Holy Ghost. In verse 22, we see the charge was about Christ's condition. He hath Beelzebub. And then it's about his collusion. By the prince of the devil, uh, he cast out the devil. And so they said not only is he possessed by the devil, but he's working, the devil's working through him to cast out the demons. Why would the devil want to cast out the devil? Why would the devil want to cast out the demons? Didn't make a lick of sense, but here's the scribes in their religiosity making fools out of themselves. And the Bible says a fool says there is no God. And a fool would accuse the, the Lord of being demon-possessed. The people uh, making the charge, what were they were scribes. And this is all uh, for you to understand. Once again, the opposition against Christ comes from the religious sector. Now, folks, I'm getting sick and tired of religion. It's just recently the Vatican uh, decided they would not charge all the sex offenders called priests uh, their sins. And there's, a, there's literally uh, people that have been abused by priests that are picketing the Vatican. God help you. Listen, I'd quit the Catholic Church over that if it wasn't such a crazy doctrine, say amen. Man-made doctrine. Uh, priest, uh, uh, hierarchy of priesthood. And, and uh, he's able to forgive your sins, and he's not. He can't even control his own sin. Man, religion is, 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 is ignorant. That, that's man trying to obtain God. It's, it's man trying to arrive to God. Folks, the truth of the matter is God came to us when we couldn't come to them. And that causes a relationship of being saved, say amen. Religion says, let's measure up and get to heaven. There is no ladder to heaven. There's only a cross. It's not by works lest we get to heaven and boast. And folks, the identity was religion. It makes evil look more respectable, but it's still sin. The scribes appeared to have been sent by religious leaders in Jerusalem to investigate Christ and to make sure uh, he was condemned before the people. And then we see the, not only the identity of the people, but we see the industry of the people. In verse 20, they came down from Jerusalem. Now, folks, that was quite a trip. And we must realize that the devil, listen now, the devil's earnest about stopping you. And we ought to be just as earnest about going forth for God. I mean, the devil's crowd does not let up. And the devil's crowd will spend a lot of money. And the devil's crowd spends a lot of time. And the devil's crowd spends a lot of promotion to get people to join their little sin. It's their big sin. And folks, what we ought to do is be as earnest as the devil's crowd about proclaiming that he is Lord.
and prove it by your life. Then we see the protesting of the charge. Notice Jesus' reaction. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23 says there was no guile found in his mouth. And folks, I'll tell you what, before you get to the pattern of being heirs together, the grace of God, there's a likewise in 1 Peter chapter 3 for wives and for husbands to be like Jesus. And folks, if you can put it in context, likewise you wives be in subjection to your own husbands. And then you look down in verse 7 of uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge. Likewise, likewise. What's the likewise? It's pointing back to chapter 2 and verse 21 through 25 in particular that folks, uh, Christ suffered for us. Leave us an example that we should follow his steps. If we'd asked what would Jesus do and how would Jesus react, we'd be a lot better off. Look at this. It says, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. He'd get mad at those scribes. They called him the devil, and they said the devil was casting out that lunatic's uh, demon. Look at verse 23 of 1 Peter chapter 3. You with me? Or is it 2? It's 2, excuse me, 2. We went back from 3 to 2. I'm kind of backwards, that's the way I preach. But it says, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. Amen. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously, who is his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we're healed. And that's spiritual, not physical. For we are as sheep going astray, but we are returned to the shepherd and the bishop of our soul. Then it says, likewise ye wives and likewise ye husbands. And it says, we're heirs together of the grace of life. Could I add to, the, to that thought? We're also heirs together of the mercy of God. We ought to be as merciful as God is to those scribes. If ever there's a count where I think the, uh, the Lord should have just struck them dead right on the spot, it'd probably been then. But you know what? You better be glad I'm not God. And you better be glad you're not God. <laughs> God's God. And he just said, hey, let me tell you a parable. Let me talk to you boys. And he explained the difference in blaspheming Christ and blaspheming the Holy Ghost. And I want you to know this, a slanderous attack was aimed at Christ. It's a charge of him having Satan and being with the power of Satan. And it was a wicked accusation, a terrible accusation. But Jesus Christ responded in love. And so he gave this argument. You look at verse 27. He said, no man can enter into the strong man's house and, and spoil his goods except he will, uh, will the first bind the strong man and then he will bind, uh, spoil his house. The folks' the argument is that, that to overcome Satan, a stronger one than Satan had to bind Satan. So how can Satan overcome Satan? Such a nonsensical charge that Satan was busy destroying the works of Satan. In other words, he was committing suicide. That's exactly what they were saying. Evil frequently makes stupid charges. Pardon the English and pardon the bad grammar, but y'all probably were used to worse. But folks, it's as bad as ignorant as you can get that the crowd goes around accusing us of being fanatics when they're so much a fanatic for sin that it makes our fanaticism look like backsliddenness. And folks, we see the peril of the charge, and this is what I want to get to. 
In verse 28 through 30, and here's the text tonight, Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men. And blasphemies wheresoever they shall be, they sh- that, that, that they shall blaspheme. It says all sins will be forgiven. But he shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost shall never have forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation because they said he hath an unclean spirit. Schofield says in the header, the unpardonable sin. I don't believe it's an unpardonable sin. I believe it's uh, an indomitable sin that um, uh, you'll see because Jesus didn't say it was an unpardonable sin. But it's a sin upon sins that will send you to hell and you'll never get saved. Let me explain it. I don't believe what a low rate the grace of God here. Jesus can save anybody. But a sinner has to be receptive. And a sinner must listen to the Holy Ghost to be saved. I don't believe without conviction there'll be conversion. And folks, I want to tell you something. It's not God's fault that these scribes went to hell after they blasphemed the Holy Ghost. It was their fault. Accusing Christ of being demon-possessed, that's a, a, an unforgivable sin, but it's an eternal damnation. In other words, it's an eternal sin. Obviously, it is addressed to those scribes which came down from Jerusalem, not the Pentecostal church that doesn't speak in tongues or whatever. But so many people said, you blaspheme the Holy Ghost if you make fun of the way we worship or whatever. That's not blaspheming the Holy Ghost. The reason why it was addressed to them is plainly stated because they said, look at verse 30, he hath an unclean spirit. There was something in that slander of theirs that told the Lord they were in the peril of a eternal sin blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. Our Lord draws a contrast now between all other blasphemies and the blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 12 and see that a person can blaspheme against the Messiah and still get saved as Paul did. Look at Matthew chapter 12 verse 31 through 32. The Bible says, Wherefore I say unto you, all matter of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto man. But the blaspheme against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Now folks, listen, he was saying in essence, it's all right for you to doubt me because his idea of messiahship that they cherished so much was the hopeless uh, uh, difference of the, they, could, they could ever imagine. Uh, and, and they could be forgiven for blaspheming against the Messiah. Saying, I don't think you're the Messiah. I believe I need to be a religionist and go out and kill people and make havoc of the church and consent into Stephen's death but they still got saved even though they blaspheme against Jesus. Paul's in particular. But the ministry of the Holy Spirit is inward. It's the voice of God in a man's own soul. It's the inner light. And a man might conceivably reject and denounce Christ in all good conscience as Saul did, but 
when a man sins against the Holy Spirit, he sins against his own conscience, against the light that's in him. And that man who enters upon such a course is in the danger of an eternal sin. In other words, as uh, J. Harold Smith used to preach, you can, you can send the day of grace away or you can cross God's three deadlines. And I won't go into that, but I want to tell you something. I've seen a lot of souls saved through that message. But there's absolutely none of their wicked and monstrous charge that by Beelzebub, the prince of the devil, casting out devils, can be forgiven because it's, it portrays a seared conscience. It portrays a permanent sinful state and eternal sin of neglecting persistently the voice of God, the Holy Spirit. I believe the unpardonable sin is, the, is, is when you send the day of grace away the last time. I believe Jesus can save any sinner on this earth. And I believe it's the grace of God that saves. But folks, multitudes, multitudes have been tormented because they think they blasphemed the Holy Ghost because they might have said something against the Holy Ghost. And we all have said something against the Holy Ghost. When we said we'd live for God and we don't. When we say that we're faithful and we're not. When we're a hypocrite, that's sinning against the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost wants to make God real and we don't even come to church. That's sinning against the Holy Ghost. But folks, blaspheming the Holy Ghost is given, and this scribes were doing this, they were saying, you're the, of the devil, and the devil has cast out the devil, which didn't make a bit of sense, but it showed the darkness of their heart. And folks, it does not speak of any act of sin as far as words are concerned or actions that's unpartable, but it does speak of an unpartable sin, uh, an eternal sin, a state where you just don't repent. You don't care to repent. You harden your heart. And I believe there's some cases where people uh, have called this an unpardonable sin when it's an indomitable sin. It's, it's, it's the grace of God never fails. But folks, man fails to renew themselves into repentance and they fail by hard-heartedness and they don't listen to the voice of God and they send away the day of grace because they constantly say no to the Holy Spirit, no to the Holy Spirit, no to the Holy Spirit. Like you can get saved on your terms when, God gets, when you get good and ready. But I want to tell you something, friend. When God calls you, you better respond. And when God speaks to your heart, you better listen. Because I want to tell you something. You can send the day of grace away, harden your heart so much that you in essence blaspheme the Holy Ghost. And never get saved. And I want to say this, and I'll close, because, you know, I don't have all the answers, and you can get deep in this if you want to, but I really believe that for anyone to call the devil, the Lord, the devil, and to say that the devil casts out the devils, they've already hardened their heart so much they'll never get saved. And he said, you are in danger. He says, you're in danger of eternal damnation. He didn't say you just got down because you said that. He said you're in danger of eternal damnation because he hath, he, you said he's had an unclean spirit. And folks, you blasphemed against the Holy Ghost. So he said in Matthew that you can blaspheme against me as Messiah. But if you keep blaspheming the Holy Spirit, your heart will get hard and you'll never get saved.
I've had people come to my office weeping, saying, I think I blasphemed the Holy Spirit. I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. I said, what is that sin? And they'll, they'll just tell me, you know, I've done this. And folks, I want to tell you something. There is no sin that Jesus cannot forgive if you'll open your heart. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit and harden your heart and crust over your soul and don't listen to the God-given conscience God gives you, the Bible says it's a seared and I've seen people on their deathbed, and I begged them to get saved, and they'll say no. Brother Larry and I witnessed to an 84-year-old man that was a fugitive for 34 years on the run. He's in, the, he's in there in solitary confinement. He's sick as a dog. He's facing life in prison at 84. And I said, would you get saved? He said, no, no, I can't. I wanted to say, why can't you? And I believe that man might have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. So many times that his heart is so hard that he cannot respond. Now folks, listen, don't be tormented by this. Because I want to tell you something, the fact that people are concerned about it proves that you haven't blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Amen? I mean, hey, listen, if you don't care, you better be careful. If you're so hard-hearted, you never listen. And you're so hard-hearted you never darken the doors of this church. You either listen by way of, of internet and you're probably not. Because you could care less. The NFL is more important to you. I don't know why I'm preaching to nobody, but it sounds good anyway. Amen. But, and folks, you have no inkling towards the things of God and, and you, don't have, you don't have any conviction about sin and you just go on your merry way and say, I'll get saved when I want to and I'll get saved with my, with, uh, right before I die you better, you better repent and you need to realize that you might blaspheme the Holy Ghost for the last time but you that feel that's proof that you are not see listen folks a person that's broken hearted about their sin and concerned so much that they've committed the unpardonable sin and folks you feel like maybe uh, you've done that, it's proof that you haven't. Because if you had, you wouldn't care. Now I'll close with this thought, and I'll probably thoroughly confuse some of you, but y'all just study it and realize that um, Jesus saves. He loves everybody. But I want to tell you something, he's a gentleman, and he don't kick the door in. He don't make you get saved. I'll tell you what, he'll make you real hungry. He'll make you real thirsty. Because he'll bring you to the end of yourself. And by the way, if you're saved, he'll do that prodigal. He'll get you so miserable and so hungry and so lonely that you'll come running to the Father's house and say, I wish I'd have come home earlier. And folks, that's a sign that you are saved, 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 and the Father has got you on his heart. Conviction is a blessing. And folks, blaspheme of the Holy Spirit is when you're no longer convicted and you sin against that inner light and you don't want to have anything to do with God. I was going to go into this, but our time's up. But I just want to say this, folks. He not only sent 12 out, and they probably the first sermon they heard was this great parable about a man entering into a strong man's house and spoiled the goods and they probably said man this is not going to be an easy trip being a disciple apostle scribes religious leaders 
are accusing him of being the devil. And accusing him of, of having the devil's power to cast out the devil. I still am perplexed when I even say that. But folks, I want to tell you something. When the 70 went out, I just want you to read these verses with me and we'll close. In Luke chapter 10, when he ordained 70, look what happened. And I want you to look at verse 17 real quick. Luke chapter 10, in closing. I hope that helped you on blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Amen. Look at Luke chapter 10, verse 17. I love this chapter. And they went out two by two. And he had a great, great time with the Lord going with them. And it says in verse 17, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, if you serve God, you'll have joy. Saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Listen to this. And he said, verse 18, unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. This is encouragement to serve God and witness for God. But look at verse uh, 20. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your name written in heaven. You know why you ought to say, serve God? Because you're saved. And because you're saved, they ought to have works that do follow you. There ought to be some fruit. But listen to this. It says, um, And in that hour Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, that's religionists, and revealed them unto babes, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me, to my father, to, to me of my father. And no man knoweth who the Son is, but the Father, and who the Father is, but the Son, and he had, he to whom the Son will reveal him. And he turned him into his disciples. There they are. He turned to his disciples, and he privately said, "Blessed are the eyes which see the things that ye see." And I tell you, many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you've heard, and they have not heard them. Folks, I want to tell you the blessing of serving God is that you not only serve God, but you serve with God. And you realize who God is. And greater is He that is in you than He's in the world. And we can go out and not just want to tread serpents and, and see lightning fall and the devil try to oppose us, but we can rejoice that our name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life and that the Holy Spirit has revealed to you that it is worth it and that He is God and that He ought to be Lord of your life. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the message. And I pray it's been a message, not just an outline. And God, we thank You, dear Lord, that we're not tormented over this uh, unpardonable sin or all these things that people try to hold people in fear and rebuke people in fear, but God, we're saved. We're saved. We're saved by the blood of the Lamb and we represent you and God, we don't know all the answers and we don't even know the questions. But God, we know you and that's enough. And Lord Jesus, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd help us not to be divided, not to be discouraged, not to be detoured, and not to be devoured in our own selfishness. Lord, we thank you that we serve a living God. 
that you are the Son 